This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And we're doing a little spring cleaning with our tunes, right, SBS? Yes, with our new studio in my basement. (laughs) Our producer, Alex, suggested that we get some new music because he felt it just wasn't kind of peppy and jaunty enough for um, our crowd and for our podcast. And so... um, Alex uh, combed through, I guess, some online um, library of s- songs and sent us little snippets of them. And that one is called Spring in Your Step. So not only did we like the music, but my goodness, that title. How could we say no to it? So well, we did ask Taylor Swift to record something special for us, but she's a little busy <laughs> yeah. and a little out of our price range. So so we'll go with the generic Spring in Your Step. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yes. So, Dim, it's been a big week for us. I know it finally came March 3rd. The book is out. Capital T, capital B, as in the book, the mm-hmm. blue book, the blue book, the blue baby. And uh, I, I, it is so fine because I, when we were writing the book, mainly last summer, editing it, and just always March 3rd was shimmering out there in the distance like some oasis, and suddenly it's like, hey, wait. It's March 3rd. <laughs> I know. But then, so, I mean, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have it out no matter what date it came out. Our previous two books have come out also in March, but at the end of March. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are headed uh, next week, very excited. We're hitting Andover. We're hitting Syracuse. We're hitting Freehold, New Jersey. And then we're hitting West Hartford. Mm-hmm. How's that for me knowing those four well, in a row, Look at that. Yes, look at that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm lying in bed the other morning, of course, listening to NPR. And they say that Syracuse... Mm-hmm. has had the coldest average temperature on record um, this winter for, you know, for like some, you know, since like the di- the prehistoric age or something, yes. you know, <laughs> since they first started taking records. And I'm like, wow, it would make a big difference going like March 6th versus say like April 6th. Oh, <laughs> yes. Know? Oh, yes. Um, and yes, I've been scouring the, the weather in Boston because I'll actually um, be getting out there a little earlier than you will. And I, you know, used to live in Boston, so I'm all excited to you know, run along the river and I'm like, oh my gosh, are the paths cleared? So I asked people on Twitter and there was one woman gave me these two great links to one um, is um, a Reddit discussion line or thread or whatever you call a thing on Reddit. Um, And the other one was a blog post and had some photos. And this photo um, to me looked like basically a snowed in environment. And the caption was like, oh, here's one of the plowed trails that runs along the Esplanade. And I'm like thinking, "Mm, your definition of plowed and mine is vastly different. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know. I'm seeing all your like spring flowers on Instagram. I'm like, you have no idea. Well, so here's, here's the million dollar question is mm-hmm. I know you're a capri girl are you gonna bring real tights to babe. run out there or do you always wear capris like do you even own running tights babe I do not own tights <laughs> um, I, wow. do, I do not wow. so um so I mean well you know I was in Little Rock Arkansas last week and it was 21 degrees and very windy when we were running on Saturday morning and I I do however though I am packing um uh, 
a badass Mother Runner tank top and a pair of Saucony shorts because I might be, you know, cozying on up to a treadmill. So oh, I was going to say, I'm like, I mean, if you're that optimistic about the no, weather. No, like, no, 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 no. Your optimism has to have a limit. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're not going to be able to wear a tank and shorts in Syracuse on March 6th or whatever. Yeah, no, okay. no, 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 no. So, um, yeah, so I, I am prepared. You know, I do have plan B, which is treadmill attire because um, Molly was in, uh, my running partner was in Ohio recently and the weather was just really, it was really, really cold and very, very icy. And so she was going to have to run on a treadmill and she hadn't packed any shorts. So she was oh. asking somebody at the hotel desk whether where she could go to buy one. They're like, oh, there's nowhere nearby. And a, another guest heard her talking and was like, oh, I have a pair of shorts. I can loan you them. Oh, my gosh. Did she, did she take her up on that? Yes, yes. And they were, the woman was headed, she and the, and the husband, they were headed to, like, Mazatlan or something. And so they were these um, swim shorts. And so... <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was very like, nice. like board shorts kind of uh, that you're so funny uh, the way Molly described them she said they didn't have any liners in them that's interesting you see you see board shorts I see kind of like the little shorts that you wear kind of for modesty over the bottom of your bathing suit so maybe like made out of lycra sort of oh, loose okay. I don't know I didn't I didn't but but no liner that's that's nice I mean mm-hmm. because honestly if you're borrowing a, a stranger's running shorts in your hotel lobby you, you're gonna want to be linerless let's <laughs> yeah. just Right. Yeah. Say it like it is. Yes, exactly. So, um, yes. So, so you and I are going, um, back East to, um, embrace the cold and the snow to meet with a lot of mother runners. We're, we're very excited. And, um, Uh, yeah. So wait, one, one thing we should point out, and I know that we've created a little bit of confusion, but, um, we are going to Andover, Massachusetts. I know we've said Lexington to be before it used to be Lexington, Mm -hmm. but we are definitely going to be in Andover on March. What Sarah? (laughs) That would would be March 9th, Monday, March March 9th. 9th. And then Syracuse is the 10th. And I just said the sixth Syracuse is definitely March 10th. Yes. And sorry for being uh, a little, uh, dyslexic with our locations and and dates. Yeah, no, no, no. You got the locations down. And so then, uh, yes, Freehold New Jersey, March 11th, and West Hartford on March 12th. And um, so those are going to be very exciting. But we had readings in our each of our respective cities this week. And you and I have been so busy that we haven't even been able to talk and tell each other how the readings went. So I want to hear how did Tattered Cover go for you? Because you had some contributors there, right? Yeah, so that was really great. Um, it was really great to have them there. So we had three of the writers, Michelle Thiel, who writes about... Um, running with MS. She has um, multiple sclerosis. So she read a very moving and beautiful essay. Terja Becker, um, who wrote about um, trying to qualify for Boston before age 40. And then um, Rachel Walker, who writes this beautiful essay about, it's called Nine Runs, Nine Lives, about the different places running has taken her and how it's kind of been a, a staple through all of her different ups and downs in her life. Um, and so it was really fun. So I just read a little bit. I read... Um, the Naked 5K, mm-hmm. uh, about the woman running a Naked 5K. Mm-hmm. Paige, Paige from Philadelphia, um, who introduced herself introduced herself to us in Philadelphia. Nice. And then uh, she's my Facebook friend now, so I told her I read it, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of fun. Um, but it was good. It was a good crowd. I mean, it was a Monday night, and unfortunately, we had some sad news in our neighborhood um, that weekend. And so most of my friends uh, couldn't make it because mm-hmm. they were otherwise occupied. And so... Um, it was it was um, it was more mellow than my last readings, but I, I would say it was more meaningful too. You know that's interesting you say that because I um, the, my reading at Powell's on Monday night was smaller than the Train Like a Mother reading, and um, 
I, I don't know what the reason for that is, but it was still a very, very good time and had a party at a brewery beforehand. And um, you would have liked it, Tim. It's, so the party started at five. And Oh, that's my kind of party. Yes. And uh, by 510, it was packed. And and like I sort of went to this fugue state and I um, was like, I, I pressed the wrong button on my watch and I couldn't, it wasn't showing the right time. And so I was like, oh, it must be like 545. It's almost time to do the, you know, the giveaways. And I'm like, hey, Courtney, what time is it? She's like, 510. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, so that was a good time. We had two men at the party. Um and uh, one uh, was one was a husband and wife. I think they both were husband and wife. But one of them said that Monday night is their date night to run together. So instead, they came to the party. Oh wow! Yes, and um, so my reading at Powell's, um, all three of my kids were there, and oh my goodness, my twins love the spotlight. And <laughs> so they, um, you know, definitely came up and talked in the microphone and um, during the reading. Um, John was, no, beforehand, they, they, you know, oh, okay. they, they kept on, you know, testing it and saying things and then, um, but def, but when I held up, um, Tales from Another Mother Runner and said that it was, um, you know, the third book in our Mother Runner trilogy, he goes, oh, a trilogy, just like the Hunger Games. <laughs> it got a big laugh and I was like, please, people don't laugh at them. You'll only get them started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't give them an audience. It's funny. I did not bring my kids. Um, we had, a. Uh, a conflict and but it was funny because um sam a, a, a boy named sam who's in in ben's grade at school came because his mom is a mother runner oh. and the naked 5k you know has words like penis and balls in it and so um <laughs> i was like this is probably gonna be embarrassing sam just so you know <laughs> see i had read i um when i was in little rock last week i read at an event at uh, capitol hotel and so i read the entire essay and my essay is about getting older and kind of the effects of aging and all that stuff. And there were a couple paragraphs that I'm like, yeah, no, this is a little bit more than I want to be saying in front of a crowd. So, yeah. um, so I then knew to, to edit it out. So sure. that, that had been good prep. So, um, but I do have to put in one thing about Little Rock. So, you know, on this podcast, um, people know that we have been raving about Little Rock, raving about Capitol Hotel, where we're going to be having our run and refresh retreat, April 16 to 19. And I got to Little Rock and Capitol Hotel at close to midnight. And my first thoughts when I walked into that lobby is, I haven't raved enough. I mean, that place is just an exquisitely beautiful, welcoming property. And it I just thought, oh my gosh, we could not have picked a better place to host our first women's running retreat. And the grits were every bit as good as I remembered them. I far forgot they came with a homemade buttermilk biscuit. And then, oh my gosh. And then those really good little jars of jam. Like jam, the, mm, yeah. Oh, goodness mm -hmm. gracious. And, you know, if they if they bring you blueberry and apricot and you want raspberry, they're on it. They're bringing you that one. And, um, oh, and the, you know, the um, spicy pecans that they leave in your room for you. And, oh. Very, okay, okay, we've got to talk about the retreat part. <laughs> you know, oh, like, oh, food? Like, you're going to sell people and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the Capitol Hotel next July because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's no. just so nice and they've got good grits. But, yeah. no, I know you guys had an amazing time. Oh, we did. And, and we um, went on a, uh, the, you know, went out on the run that we're going to do on Saturday morning. It's a little bit longer. And oh my goodness, the varied terrain and scenery there in Little Rock. It just made for fantastic running. 
And, you know, one moment you feel like you're in Utah because there's this quarry with all this, you know, um, you know, cut into rock that just was very dramatic looking. And then, you know, a mile and a half later, there's this huge open field that feels like Nebraska or something. And then the trail winds through these beautiful woods and, oh, it was just gorgeous and you know went uh had went to some receptions in the rooms that we're going to be having our our talks in and it just made me so excited for april 16 to 19 so um if all that sounds appealing to you you can find out more details about that at anothermotherrunner.com slash retreat so um yes um, so where to go? My goodness. I just, where to go from here? Maybe, yeah. um, introduce our guests. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. So we are being joined by another contributor from Tales from Another Mother Runner, and that is Kristen Armstrong, which I'm thinking many listeners know her from her popular column in Runner's World magazine called Mile Markers. And Kristen is the mother of three, including twin girls. She lives in Austin, Texas. Um, listeners, probably also know her from some of her books. She's the author of six books, including Mile Markers, The 26.2 Most Important Reasons Women Run, Happily Ever After, Walking with Peace and Courage through a, year of, through a Year of Divorce, and Work in Progress, An Unfinished Woman's Guide to Grace. But before we bring on Kristen, we're going to take a short break to hear from our sponsor. So Kristen, thanks for joining us. We're delighted to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Good, good. So, so tell us a bit about your athletic background. Well, I, I could say that my athletic background is definitely delayed because I'm somebody that was, um, I definitely considered myself more of like a nerd child growing up than an athlete, but um, I tapped into my inner athlete after I had children. And um, so I would say that I'm still, compared to some people, I'm still somewhat new to the running community because I, ha- I have friends who have been running for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm 43 now, and I just really started running when I was around 32. Wow. So you still have relatively fresh legs, right? I like to think so, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that. Right. We call that delayed um, onset athlete syndrome around these <laughs> I, parts. <laughs> okay, well, then that's definitely what I have. I have a, a very acute case of that because once I started running, I just fell in love with it. Yeah, well, so what was the thing that, that prompted you to start running? I mean, was it just pregnancy or was there, you know, was it a friend that invited you or what kind of got you out the door the first time? I think at the beginning, it was just um, a way to get in shape after babies. And it was something convenient to do because I traveled so much. So it's so much easier than having to figure out classes at the gym. And we were in all different countries everywhere at that time. So it was such an easy, efficient uh, uncomplicated way to stay in shape and also see some pretty cool scenery. Um, sure. So in a way, I sort of was more of a jogger then, Ooh. and a lot of times with my jogger. And then I think I really became a, a runner, like the kind that has a, a pinned on number, that kind of runner. Um, they're all runners, but it's a different kind. And that was when in 2003, when I went through my divorce and um my friends noticed that I was getting really um, skinny. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't sleeping very well. And they decided basically just to wear my ass out. And that's what (laughs) they did. So we started training for my first, my first ever marathon. And every single long run I did was my longest run ever. It was really a fun time for being such a crappy time. Oh my gosh. So, so wait, so your first time you pinned on a, a race number was for a marathon? 
I mean, I think I had done a 5K or maybe a couple times before that, or maybe um, a run with my kids, like a fun run. But that was the first time that I ever really had like the starting line jitters of like, wow, I'm really owning this experience for myself. It was the identity shifter, I guess. When you start calling yourself a runner, that was that. Mm-hmm. And which, which marathon was it? That was the Dallas Marathon in 2013. Oh, wow. 2003, you mean? Not 2003, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So is the, is the marathon your favorite race distance or no? Um, I think I have a few favorites. I think my ultimate favorite is probably the half marathon because I feel like I can combine that with a really awesome vacation and not be all about the race and not be depleted and not feel as stressed. Mm-hmm. So that's probably my favorite, but I also, there's a part of me that really enjoys the longer distances on trails. So 30, you know, a 30 K or a 50 K, some of those, it it doesn't hurt my body as much. Yeah. Now I remember when you were training for your first, was it, was your first one a 50 K on the trails? Like you wrote about it for, for your mile markers column in runner's world. I remember reading those and I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. So, I mean, have you done some of them since then? And and what's appealing about them? Um, Well, I've done a few 50 Ks and um, I have a 30 K and a 50 K coming up. So I'm training for that. That's happening the 50 K's in May. Uh, and I've done a 50 miler. That's the longest I've ever run at one time. Wow. Which, which 50 miler did you do? Um, one in close, just outside of Austin. Oh, okay. And so how did that, how was that like compare a 50 miler to a road marathon? Like, well, it takes freaking forever. (laughs) It took me so long. It took me like 11 hours. I mean, it's a really long time. It was dark when we started and dark when we finished. Um, but it's, it's a very transformative experience and it's really, um, you go through all different phases of emotion and all different, um, sensations as you spend that much time with yourself and your friends or whoever you're with. Sure. And there's something really healing about it. And, you know, the next day after that race, I went out and, uh, went, out to chop down a Christmas tree with my kids. So I was still able to go walk around a grassy field and wow. Yeah. I I don't think I felt any worse than after a road marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so what, but 11 hours on your feet, I mean, what was the longest run you'd done before that? That's what always gets me. I'm like, that's just a long time to be in motion. It's a long time. And the longest I did to prepare was about a 30 miler. Okay. Um, and it's just really a matter Mm -hmm. of your head and your heart. And then as far as your body goes, you hope for the best and you really have to pay attention to your nutrition. So that's the thing I had to learn a lot about. What, what do you like to eat on long runs? Well, all the stuff I thought I'd want to eat, I, I didn't after a while. Um, so this was a loop course and we'd keep passing by our little camp. And so I could go back to my cooler and my little bag of food. And I had all these things that had worked for me on long runs previously, but towards the end of that race, for whatever reason, all I wanted was chocolate milk. It's so weird. Okay. So I would just stop and, you know, it was like my kids kind of chocolate milk, you know, yeah. pop, pop a straw in it. I would just suck, <laughs> suck that thing down and be like, all right, let's do it. Let's do another lap. That's awesome. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah. How long yeah. were the, how long were the laps? Uh, they varied. Some of them were 10 miles. Some of them were seven. Oh. Um, it just kind of, some of them changed um, as other shorter races of the day shut down. So oh. yeah. Kept it a little interesting that way. Exactly. Nice. 
Nice. So what's been your most memorable race, would you say? Um, I probably would say just experience wise, my very first one, because that was an incredible, exhilarating feeling to realize that I could, I could do something like that. I never really knew that I had that in me and it was really powerful in my identity and confidence building in the middle of a divorce because I felt like that inspired me to be more brave in all other areas. And that was really healing for me and helpful. Um, as far as like absolutely gorgeous, I mean, Big Sur, mm -hmm. I did that, uh, not last year, but the year before. And that was so pretty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Someone just asked me what my favorite marathon is and I've done 12 and, and Big Sur was one of the top two. I mean, it's just, it's just fantastic. I mean, that, that coastline is just, I, you really can't believe it till you see it, the, how jagged it is and just dramatic and oh, stunning. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we'd love if you could read part of your essay for us. I would love to. Yeah. And, and Dim, you want to set it up in terms of where it is in the book and Sure, sure. Well, Kristen's awesome essay is um, in this section. There's there's seven sections of um, tales from another mother runner, and each section is kind of um, an aspect of uh, of running. I guess is the easiest way to say it. Um, so the so the sections are include like ownership, perspective, strength, ambition, um, and Kristen's section is in joy. Um, so and it's called running with joy. <laughs> Not to say, you, you have to say it. You have to say it the right oh, way. Oh, you're running with joy. Oh, yeah. Oh, running with joy. You're running with joy. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's so fun. Well, I could read the part that has to do with that with Gilbert, or I was the part that I had picked out was kind of the end of the essay. Sure, um, why don't you, yeah, you... you do the end, and then we can talk about who Gilbert is. Okay, that sounds great. Okay. My miles have yielded and wielded many lessons, and there is no mistake that I became a badass mother runner shortly after I became a mother. What began as an effort to shake off my shaky flesh evolved into one of the deepest and most meaningful adventures of my life. Perhaps quest is a better word. From my first 5K to a 50-miler, I have been transformed, mind, heart, spirit, and body. And there is no denying the impact that running has made on my mothering because the lessons I learn become material I teach. And as runners intimately know, we learn best by doing. So I can't just talk my walk. It has to exhibit itself stride by stride in full view of my children. Whether I'm seeking insight or patience, I can find it when I lace up and head out alone or in the good company of my sweat sisters, also badass mother runners, Without exception, I have always returned home a better woman. I want to teach my kids about discipline so they witness my training. I want to teach my kids about community so they see my moving fortress of friends. I want to teach my kids about courage so I try hard things in front of them. I want to teach my kids about identity so I make sure to have one apart from them. I want to teach my kids about the beauty of imperfection so they see my mess. I want to teach my kids about unconditional love, so I start with a valiant attempt at accepting and loving myself. I want to teach my kids about strength, so I expect resistance. I want to teach my kids about beauty, so I radiate when I do what I love. I want to teach my kids about faith, so I leap. I want to teach my kids it's okay to fail, so sometimes I stretch for things that are just out of my reach. 
I want to teach my kids about endurance, so I keep going when I want to call it quits. I want to teach my kids about flexibility, so I bend when necessary. I want to teach my kids about integrity, so we talk about the hard stuff. I want to teach my kids about the value of presence, so I show up. I want to teach my kids about grace, so we ask for and allow do-overs. I want to teach my kids about passion, so I don't hide when I suffer. I want to teach my kids about joy, so I go deeper than happy. There is nothing more profoundly, beautifully real than running your race in full view of your children. Let them see you sweat, struggle, falter, forgive, forge ahead, face plant, dust off, and start again. The try is the triumph, and we are badass mother runners. Love it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can I get an amen? Can oh, I get an amen? Great. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's great. Well, and, and part of the joy, um, say it again one more time because I was the talking joy. over you. Yes. Yes. And it comes yeah. from your coach, Gilbert. And I won't try to say his last name. Can you say his last name? It's Tuabonia. Tuabonia. Yeah. So tell, tell us about him and the impact that he's had on, on your life and your running. It will be a challenge to do that without crying, but I will try. Um, He is a coach in Austin. He's a native of Burundi, Africa, and he was, um, he's a survivor of genocide. Literally, he was the sole survivor out of a burning church in Africa. And he, he broke a window and hopped out after the machete wielding crowds had dispersed and he took off through the woods and saved his own life by being able to run fast and far. And somehow he made his way to Austin, Texas, and I'm lucky enough to be trained by him, to be a friend of his, and to uh, have the blessing of him as my coach. And not only is he an amazing and beautiful runner, but he also has a unique way of motivating people. And it's all about love. It's never oppressive with him. It's never too hard that it's not fun. Um, and he is just a model of forgiveness and unconditional love. So being in his presence is automatically energizing. That's awesome. And he, he's written a book, right? I feel like, um, yes, it's called the voice, this voice in my heart, this voice in my heart. Yes. So so that's one to check out for sure. Well, so how often do you train with, with it's Gilbert's gazelles, isn't it? Isn't that the name of your group? Uh Yeah. And the training groups are typically twice a week and then a long run on the weekend. So depends on what I'm training for. If I'm, if I'm training for a trail race, I train less with the gazelles, but if it's a road race then I amp it up. Yeah. Well, and so, I mean, are, are, are they always on the track? I'm just curious because you write about being on the track and it sounds hard and joyful at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean, are you at the track with him twice a week? Typically it would be one day a week at the track working on speed. And then there'll be another day that might be you know, a fart like at the trail, or it could be a hill workout somewhere else in town. So that, you know, it varies. He wants to build strength as well as speed. And so he just alternates what we do. Mm-hmm. So, and you've talked about a lot of your gal pals are a lot of them on the gazelles as well. Uh, some are, and, and some aren't. Um, the people that I, that I run with 
most consistently, um, one or two of them are in gazelles. Mm-hmm. How do you, be, you know, when I read your, your column, I always think, oh, it sounds like, it sounds like Kristen has so many friends, like that you enjoy running with. I mean, how do you balance that of, so now you got the gazelles, you have some friends who aren't on that. I mean, and then I'm thinking maybe you'd like to sometimes run alone. How do you find that balance? Um, you know, for me, I don't always see my friends, um, like I'm not a big go out to lunch person and, and I don't really go to that many happy hours. I mean, at this point, my kids are teenagers. So in the, in the, the evening hours, I'm kind of driving carpools or, you know, helping with homework and all that. It's so when I look at the time that I have for running, that is my key time to make a plan with a friend or make sure I get to see someone or have some time alone. Mm -hmm. So I try to just vary that, but I probably run with people more often than I run alone because I take advantage of it. It's a, it's a social thing also. Mm -hmm. Surely. So, so reading your columns and books, um, it seems like running is often almost a spiritual pursuit for you. Can you talk about that a little bit and and where um, religion comes into your running? Absolutely. Um, To me, faith and running are very interwoven. So that is a constant theme in a lot of my work. I think that there is something um, about running that allows us to get to a place where we can kind of recenter. So it's a good time to connect back to source, if you will. Like for me, source is God, but source can be different things to different people. And running is a very natural way to kind of enter into almost a meditative or prayerful state for me. And the repetitive action kind of lulls me into a deeper level of, of consciousness or um, just a a mental space. that's a little bit different from the rest of my day. And so for me, that feels like a spiritual experience in addition to being a physical one. And then if you add to the fact that a lot of the people that I run with, um, we share faith together. So running a lot of times will have a component of prayer in it, maybe at the end when we're finishing up or in a race when things get really hard and no one feels like talking. Someone might just throw out a verse or start praying. Um, and then I've had some times running with friends in recent years when they've gone through some really hard stuff. A friend of mine lost her husband two years ago, and we run together often. In fact, yesterday was the two-year anniversary since her husband passed away, and that was how we started our day. We went for a run together, and that was just, it was sacred. It's like transforming something ordinary into something sacred, and running feels like that to me. That's that's lovely. Did, has it always been that way for you? I'm just curious, like going back to the 2003 um, marathon and, and, you know, because running uh, when you're first starting can feel like such a struggle. Like sometimes I feel like finding that meditative state takes, you know, maybe a couple of years of experience just to get to that place where, you know, you're not going to just <laughs> pass out by the side of the trail. Oh yeah. I mean, I've had times where I've had, I thought it felt like I was having a heart attack. I was having an anxiety attack. And that year when I was running, all of a sudden I just couldn't breathe. It was terrifying. And I would just double over and my friends would be like, uh, are you okay? (laughs) And, but it had to work itself out. And it was really something that kept me from stuffing pain or anxiety. It would just work itself out. And that was a huge gift. And I was so broken then that it wasn't hard for me to touch that place in me that was really humbled and really weak. 
And in that place is where I started to get stronger. And running was a real catalyst for that to tap into those areas of weakness and, and fragility and make them strong. So today, even when I'm feeling like I'm in such a better place in my life compared to then, but there's a part of me that misses that feeling and running particularly long distances brings me back to that place of feeling broken or feeling like I don't have what I need in this moment. Like I want to quit or this hurts or I'm tired. And to get back to that place of thinking like, oh, wow, I'm in touch with my weakness right now. I feel that. I feel my humanity. I feel the humility. I feel how difficult this is. It's almost like, like touching suffering a little bit. Sure. And to me, that is such a fantastic thing. It's like I want to go back and, and recall what that is and, and the way that in those moments you can transcend that and you're carried beyond yourself. I think I seek that when I go back and do long distances now because I love to remember that feeling. I never want to forget that. So if that makes any sense at all. Absolutely. It's lovely. I have to say you have a really beautifully examined life that um, you you seem very contemplative and um, that you really almost um, comprehend what you're thinking and feeling as as it's happening. Do you um, you know, I I, obviously you write a column for Runner's World and and you write a bit a lot. Do you then keep a journal? I mean, um, how is it that you you know, I don't know. I just am like, wow, it seems like you have such wonderful deep thoughts and really, um, uh, hold on to them. Yeah. How do you hold on to them with three teenagers? And <laughs> we need to know. Cause uh, my I hold on to dear life is how I hold on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a, that's a very nice compliment because I, I really do want to live an examined life. I am a very intentional person. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be a very mindful, conscious, aware person. And so I have practices and running is one of those practices. Um, but I also take time for meditation every day. So, and I pray and I'm a big journaler. I, in the past about maybe year and a half, I've started keeping a gratitude journal and every morning before I do anything else, well, except make a cup of coffee, let's be honest. Um, (laughs) I have that. And then I go and I write at least 10 things that I'm thankful for. And the statement is usually starts, I am grateful for, and then I say something specific. And then the statement has to include because I'm grateful for fill in the blank because, and I have to tell you that it's been over a year and many completely filled out journals since I started the practice, but I have not had what I would say is a bad day in that entire time. So, of course, you know, I'm still having things happen to me that are inconvenient or uncomfortable. I mean, all those things still happen all the time. But the point is that it's not affecting me the same way anymore. And I don't know if that's mostly the gratitude journal. I don't know if it's a combination of meditation or yoga or just getting older or... um, Probably all three. Well, I'm curious. is this, so if this is too um, personal. You can just say no, but I'm just curious. So, in, so 10 things that feels like a lot to me. I've tried to do this before and like three things and I end up being like a good dinner, you know, and like oh, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe, you know, a laugh with my kid. I mean, can you, do you put coffee on the list? Like things that feel like pretty like basic and normal or is it, is it always kind of deep? Some of them are deep, 
but some of them are, are seemingly so simple, like these little luxuries that in a way you can take them for granted and just kind of blow through your day. But if you pause and notice them, like, like I went for a run the other morning and I was freezing when I came home and I ran a hot bath and I peeled off all my frozen running clothes and just sunk into the water. And I was like, Oh, I'm so grateful for a hot bath. I love this hot bath. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this hot bath. And in that moment, it was like, yeah, that's no big deal. It's taking a bath. It's an everyday thing, but it was a luxury and it was something that I noticed and I felt extremely grateful. That's what, yeah. So it does take some of this very simple mundane things and make them more special, more meaningful. And I thought 10 things was a lot of, a lot too much when I started the practice, but it, it doesn't take me long at all because I'm in that headspace all day long noticing these things. So they just flow out of my pen in less than 10 minutes. Sure, sure. Well, and so since we're mining you for all your good secrets, um, so I'm curious because sure. you do write your mile markers column. I'm just wondering where you get your all your ideas because as you know, as a, we try to put up new content, we do put up new content on another mother runner every day, but sometimes it's hard to be, you know, insightful and witty and all that all at the same time. And I feel like you do such a good job of that. Like how, how do you keep it? How do you keep your ideas going? Most of my ideas honestly come when I run. Yeah. I mean, I, I never sit, go and sit down at my desk and go, okay, uh, blank screen, here I go. <laughs> yeah. I, I just don't do that to myself because it's not how I work. Um, that actually puts a lot of feelings of pressure and intimidation on me, and I feel almost false. Um, but if I'm outside, even if I go walk the dog or, or go, you know, if I've already gone running or something, I'll, I'll just take that time and I just let my, my mind loosen up a little bit and then something will come to me and it might just be like a tiny little seed of an idea or something funny that happened that I suddenly remember and I think, oh yeah, oh, that's good. I like that because I like those ordinary, the ordinary things. Sure. Mm -hmm. The hot baths. Yeah. Little yeah. things like that, that, that everybody can relate to because on one hand I'm, I'm a writer and that's what I do. But on the other hand, I think if I were to look underneath that, what my real gift is, is being a translator. I oh. think that I can translate an, an emotion or an experience or something and make it either relative to another person, like in a conversation or a speech, or I can make it more universal by describing it. So I think that I would say that that's what I do best. And then I use writing to do that. Or speaking sometimes. I'm better at writing than speaking. Well, well, you're going to be speaking, uh, reading uh, in Austin uh, on yes. Thursday, March 26th. We're um, delighted to have you and another essayist named Susan Shorn uh, there. So um, are you rallying your running posse to be there? Um, I haven't yet, but mm -hmm. I probably definitely will. Oh, good, good. It's not. Yeah. Please tell me it's not spring break in Austin that week. No, it's the week after. Oh, good. Good, good, because that, yeah. that's a real deal breaker for getting mother runners to an event. Oh, yeah. Mother runners are all out running for their lives with their children. <laughs> well, and we have to tell our first Austin story that we ever, the first time oh, we came goodness. to Austin for Run Like a Mother, Kristen. So we, we, we came for the Azuma Austin event, um, which was 2010. 10. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And it's where and we, we were launching the book. This, like, this was book. it. This was the big deal. Yeah. 
And um, and so we decided though, and so he, here and, and and Zuma has these races where they have the base camp at this like lovely resort, like the I, um, yeah, the Lost Pines. Pines. Lost yeah. Pines, yeah. yes. Yeah. But so so not in downtown. Not right. in downtown. In downtown. All? Well, so here we have this like hive of mother runners, or not mother runners, but female runners at this resort. Probably, you know, at least a hundred women have checked in already. Sarah and I, it's a fri- it's a Friday night. A Friday <laughs> night in Austin. It's like the first night of like springtime too. It's the end of March, like you know, Beautiful. people are sitting out on their porches with their banjos and drinking beer and all that. <laughs> and, and so Sarah and I go, what's the name of that bookstore? I mean, it was a really nice bookstore. Um, book yes, yeah, book people right near uh, Whole Foods down there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and showed up and like three people came. No, no, no. And, then, and, at, and first, then, at first, no one showed up. Absolutely first, no one showed up. That's and thankfully, always a good feeling. And thankfully, our, yeah, pub- our publicist had prepped us and she had been very kind. And she said, now a lot of things can affect how many people show up for a reading. And, like weather. And like weather. And yeah. so she said, you know, if it's raining cats and dogs, people won't leave their house. If it's beautiful, maybe they want to, you know, go, you know, sit outside instead of going into a bookstore. And so later on, we talked to people. They're like, oh, yes, we have had just a string of bad weather. This is the first nice Friday evening we've had, you know, of the year. And uh, so and then finally, one of Dimity's cousins showed up with like, with oh, his God. wife. And then they brought another couple. Oh, and they were so nice and so attentive. And, you know, but there are all these chairs set up and there's four people in them. <laughs> um, and you know that everyone was out having margaritas. Because right. right. We could hear the chips crunching and, you yeah. know, the guacamole with a little bit of lime in it and um so um so yeah on the way back no offense to you guys that is the reality (laughs) of austin yes it's nice out people will be outside yes so um so who knows maybe um you know thursday march 26th we'll just move the party outside Um, yeah that's right show up no matter what it'll be it'll be a better crowd we promise yes or else make margaritas in which case (laughs) there you go you bring your blender Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like them on the rocks oh okay okay i'll bring the salt Uh, Okay, good. <laughs> um, so our, our final question that we ask all the um, tales from another mother runner essayist, um, what three words best describe your running? Oh, that's a good thing to spring on somebody. Let's see. <laughs> we wanted, yeah. to, you know, yeah. a, you know, I don't know, creative and, uh, you know, heartfelt. On, yeah. And on the spot, which is good. The first word is grateful. My running is a grateful experience and my running is freedom to me. So freedom or liberating, depending what kind of word you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and running is connection. There you go. And I like how you, um, you from your um, gratitude journal, I like how you, it seems like you found it easier to do when you put it into a sentence. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. And running... Um, is gratitude to me because it connects me back to source. Mm-hmm. So nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you. It has been just wonderful to talk to you, Kristen and I. So look forward to seeing you, you in too, Austin. Girls. We'll yeah. see you soon. Yeah. Great. All right. Thanks a Take bunch. Take care, Kristen. Yeah, you too. Take care. Dim, you didn't work it into the conversation that you and Kristen go way back. Well, I know. It was it got a little bit too far out there to be like, yeah, and you remember that one time we went to Orno High School together? <laughs> <laughs> 
you were Minnesota girls together. But yes, that was that used to be my claim to fame. Um, is that uh, she was a year ahead of me um, mm-hmm. at Orono High School in Long Lake, Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, if you've seen a picture of Kristen, she is gorgeous. I mean, blonde hair, just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, I honestly think that's the first time I've ever talked to her. Like, that's how intimidated I was oh, by goodness. her. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, I mean, because she was so cool. Like, she hung with the cool kids. I didn't hang with the cool kids. Um, she, I don't believe it. I mean, I we worked on the paper together. We were both on the ITA, it was called, Inside the Aquarium, because uh, our school was like a rectangle. Um, but I don't even think that I... I just think I was intimidated beyond belief. And now I talk to her and I'm like, she, she wrote me and I can't remember when we were in touch, but she wrote me something and she was like, Oh, I wish I would have known you in high school. And I was like, yeah, if I would have like not been this like crazy, awkward, like unsure girl, like I wish I would have known you too, you know? <laughs> but anyway. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. She's great. I mean, my gosh, I just feel like I'm floating right now and I am going to try. So I usually try to do my gratitude when I do do it. I mean, I go in spurts, mm-hmm. but I always try to do it. I usually do it at night and that mm-hmm. is not my prime time, yeah. as you well know. <laughs> and so I'm thinking maybe the morning is a good idea. Maybe that's it. Um, maybe, uh, you know, it's worth a shot. Because huh. my thought was, I mean, I just, I, I would love to have that um, type of discipline and um, insight. And, you know, but I am a up and out of, up and out of bed, you know, out the door, you know, type of gal. And so but, I don't know. But what about, but couldn't you, I mean, and, and just playing devil's advocate, but couldn't you do that? I mean, so I was thinking as we were talking, I'm like, okay, these days I'm not training for anything. Um, and so I'm usually getting up. 5 30 with like one snooze so i'm usually getting up like more like 5 45 like mm-hmm. what if i put my alarm for 5 15 mm-hmm. and got up you know just just a little bit earlier and mm-hmm. just got up and you know i mean and just sat down at the kitchen table you just keep it right by you know somewhere um convenient mm-hmm. you know and right before you head out you know and maybe mm-hmm. just give it i think t- 10 does feel like a lot to me i'm <laughs> kid you know, I mean I had a hard time sometimes with three so maybe five is is a good stretch uh-huh. um but you know to say okay I'm going to give myself you know seven minutes to do this or whatever you know and then if you don't get to five or whatever mm-hmm. number you set for yourself then at least you you did the practice you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no it was very intriguing I mean um I, I mean I'm just in awe of, of people who can live an examined thoughtful life like that but I'm saying it's not too late. I mean, it's not that you don't look the same late, but, but I'm just saying, like, if that is interesting to you and if that's something you want to do, you can make that happen. Like, you don't have to be, like, the get up and go immediately, mm-hmm. girl. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the beauty of being human is you can change it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Maybe I'll get you – it's your birthday today, actually, Sarah. <laughs> Happy birthday. I just realized that. Sorry. Um, March 4th. Yes. I think that's a verb. I'm going to get you a gratitude journal. Oh, that's my what goodness. I've been bringing for you on the East Coast. Oh, my and goodness. And then – being the person that I am, I'm going to have you scan it and make sure you're using it so I can see. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But that might be it. That might be it. Oh, a nice pen. God. A nice pen is always key, right? Uh, you got to have a really nice pen to write with. Um, my uh, ex, my former mother-in-law gave me, They, she and her husband gave me a really nice pen when I graduated college and I still have it. Um, so that's yeah, your gratitude journal pen mm-hmm. right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then, you know, but then I'd have to hide it from the kids because, you know, pens have legs in our house so they would they would walk off um so yes i don't know it, that was um I, I really enjoyed that conversation a lot um, i did too i absolutely did yeah yeah so um 
So I don't know, maybe we could start putting some gratitude out on our Facebook page, um, which is, uh, we would appreciate if you, we would be grateful <laughs> if you. That's kind of smarmy. I don't like, let's not take this like lovely, like okay. I am to meditate and okay. put on Facebook. Come okay. on. <laughs> well, how about we'd be, how about I got this. We'd be grateful if you'd like our Facebook page. There you go. That feels a little better. A little. <laughs> We'd be grateful if you'd like our Facebook page, which is Run Like a Mother, the book. Our websites are anothermotherrunner.com and motherrunnerstore.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at the Mother Runner. Our brand new book, Tales from Another Mother Runner, is fresh out in bookstores and online, as well as Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, our first two books. And Sarah, I haven't asked here because um, this mm-hmm. is normally what you would do, but if you've read Tales from Another Mother Runner or read mm-hmm. part of it and liked it, or mm-hmm. even if you didn't like it, um, we would love it if you put up a review on Amazon. Mm-hmm. That is how people find books these days. It's some internet algorithm that, you know, so... Yes. Um, right now, I'll say we have two reviews. I would, in most of our other books, I realize that they've been out for a lot longer, have about 150. Mm-hmm. So we'd like to, you know, pump up that number. I would be grateful if mm-hmm. <laughs> I would be grateful for nice reviews on Amazon.com. Yes, because it helps the book reach more women runners and hopefully inspires them. Exactly. Motivates them. Yes. So um, whether you're introspective while you're doing it or not, many happy miles to you. Mm-hmm.